Welcome to Women of the Wild, where education and opportunities are key. And friendships are made to last a lifetime. You think we got him? You think we got him? We got him. You said that yesterday. <laughs> Alright, Skylar, what do we got here? We got a... Nice looking red Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to the Women of the Wild podcast. We're going to pick up where we left off two weeks ago with Felicia Marie and Megan Demine. Have a program that you have started for wildlife services for women in the outdoors. Now, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so we have what we call WOWs. So Women of Wildlife Services. So really close to Women of the Wild. Sure. <laughs> women of Wildlife Services is a network community that we built simply because, you know, women in, in this field are, you know, we're definitely, women have always been in this field. They're just more of us now. Mm-hmm. And so we created this network because at the time, you know, I didn't know very many other females in my agency. Uh, I was dealing with just some feminine issues, like medical issues that I just, that was affecting my job. And I couldn't talk to anybody. I couldn't talk to my coworkers in Michigan. Like I just, it wasn't anything that anybody would be comfortable talking about. And so I ended up reaching out to this woman I had met at a conference like two years prior and was like, hey, having these issues, I don't know how to deal with it. And she was able to talk me through it. We talked for a couple of hours and it, you know, made me feel a lot better. You know, I'm just going through this as a wildlife professional. I didn't know how to handle it. And she was able to just simply be there and just simply say, hey, that really sucks. And you're going to get through it. And it was like, wow, I needed that. And it hit me. It was like, you know, there, I can't be the only person that's in this position that I just don't know other women in this agency. It's not saying that we don't have them, but, you know, we really should try to connect because women are, we, as women, we definitely like to talk and we like to talk about frustrations and we just, we like to network and get to know each other and it just helps us through our day. Mm-hmm. So when I started reaching out to people, I found out that there was a lot of women who felt this way and I was able to get teamed up with all these, you know, these three, four other women. And we just started talking about like, how can we do this? How can we connect people? And we came up with this network. And so it started out with, you know, the five of us that turned into uh, over 170 members now in a matter of three years. And we have webinars and we, you know, just give out information. You know, we, you know, our mission statement is 
you know, we're a diverse community that empowers and connects employees within wildlife services. We provide support and education and resources through personal and career development opportunities. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, the issues that I had, I found out there's actually other women who've had really similar issues while they were in the field and like how they handled it. And it's just really nice to know that if, you know, somebody else comes with problems, they have a group that they can reach out to and work through them. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Women can be some of the best cheerleaders through things. And, you know, there's different situations and circumstances that as women we deal with. And like you said, whether it's medically, whether it's emotionally, sometimes just having that crutch of someone who's been through the shoes that you're about to be walking in can really help push you forward. So the fact that you, you ladies have teamed up and done this is it's really incredible. Um, the amount of women that you guys, I'm sure are helping through doing this. And this is for women that are already in the, the wildlife field. This isn't for just any female, this is girls who are currently doing it, currently dealing with it. So it's, it's very awesome to me to hear that, that there's that type of network and support for each other because everything starts that way. So like when, when I started women of the wild, it was kind of the same the same stepping stones, right? Like taboo. It was really taboo for females to hunt growing up. And I basically had to learn or teach myself everything. And occasionally, you know, I'd get help here and there, but it it was just never, it was never from women. It was always from men. And we do things a little bit different or we're not physically capable of doing things in a certain way. So it just got to the point where once I educated myself enough that I felt confident in my abilities, it was like, there has to be more women. And then women would reach out and, Hey, I want to do this. And it's like, okay, let's go. And then it just kind of, you know, social media, um, is a double-edged sword, but that started to, to feed a lot into that network. And I realized that there's thousands of women that were in those same shoes. And that's kind of how women of the wild originated was just, it's almost behind like a closed door that there's these so many women that we want to team up with other women and we want to light each other's candles. And I'm assuming in your career where you're at now, I'm assuming is very male dominant. Um, do you see that at most bases that it's all male dominant? Yeah. And wildlife services it is male dominant. Um, but in the wildlife field as a whole, there's actually more women graduating with wildlife degrees now, which is really exciting to see. Sure. And it's just a change in mentality too. I know when I first, first started in the wildlife field, I was working one of those seasonal jobs in college and I was about to get, go work with an older gentleman. And my boss was like, Hey, just so you know, I'll just, I'll call him Jerry for sure. Um, there, he was like, just, so you know, Jerry's been doing this job for like 30 years. He doesn't really agree with women being in this job. So just watch what you say. And if he says anything, just let it roll off your back. And at the time I was like, okay. And that's what I did. You know, he had comments and stuff. I let it roll off my back 10 years later. And now I'm sitting here going, you know what? Why hasn't anybody talked to Jerry? Like, why hasn't anybody said, Hey guy, you know, women are here now and we're here to stay and we enjoy what we do. Right. So, but I've seen that. I mean, again, I haven't been in the field, in this field for a long, long time by all means, but you can definitely see the shift. And again, this isn't male versus female. It's about just having a diverse group of people mm-hmm. with a common goal and working towards that common goal. And because they've, you know, statistically proven 
that if you have diversity in your group, in your workspace, it creates a better outcome for everybody involved. Oh, absolutely. I can, I can definitely see that. I mean, I, I worked in the automotive industry for a long time and it was very, again, taboo for females to be doing it. And you get, you know, you get the slander, I guess you could call it of, well, you know, you should be cooking in the kitchen. And, and I think that the younger generations have gotten past that. Some of the older generations, I still see a lot of that, whether it's the automotive industry or hunting. Um, I still get a lot of like turned heads of, I can't believe you're a girl and you do this. But in the, in the reality of it, we're all here for the same thing. And as long as we have that mission, that passion, and we're doing it ethically and you're you're always putting the right foot forward. It shouldn't matter what sex you are. The gender in that situation doesn't matter. And I think it's really great though, the support that you guys offer to push more women into a more comfortable space. And I am here and I do matter because I'm sure that, you know, somebody like, we'll call him Jerry, but somebody like him that is like putting you down it, I'm sure it weighs on you personally at a point. Like, mm-hmm. did it ever get you to a point where you're like, man, am I doing what I should be doing? Usually, again, this is everybody's got different mentalities. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when I got the job offering cost of you, every man in my family was like, oh, you couldn't handle that. So I did it to prove them wrong. Prove them wrong. <laughs> so but I I've do. definitely done a lot of things to prove people wrong, but that's just, again, my mentality and not everybody's like that. I know the big takeaway that I would love to just say and it's something that we talk about in WOWs all the time too, is be your authentic self. Sure. Wear pink camo, wear muck boots, get your nails done or dress as a tomboy. It doesn't matter because we're all here to embrace the common interest. So the worst thing I think that can ever happen is when women turn on other women yes. over wildlife things. I remember one time I had a pink, a pink camo phone case. And a girl in my school in college, she was like, oh, what are you doing? Hunting flamingos? And I was like, no, but I enjoy hunting and I like the color of the phone case. Like, it doesn't matter if somebody wants to, you know, wear makeup before they go out hunting. I take mascara when I go backpacking because I just, it just is what makes me feel comfortable. So whatever people need to do to feel comfortable, it doesn't matter. You don't have to fit a stereotype to go in the outdoors. You don't have to be a tomboy that grew up in the country to go on a hunting trip. Like you can be a suburb person Mm -hmm. who never got to walk in the woods unless it was in a Metro park and still go do these things. Like be your authentic self, be who you want to be, because if it's what interests you, just do it. It makes you happy. Do it. Uh, I can, I can contest to that so much. I just spent two weeks completely off grid in the mountains of Southwest Texas doing free range audad. And I'll tell you, I had my tinted moisturizer, which is for sunscreen protection because it's hot, but I also had my mascara. It is, it's a comfortable thing. And that's one of the ones that gets me a lot with female hunters is like, they put these girls down for wearing makeup. To me, I almost have more respect for it because that means you're getting up and you're putting that extra couple minutes into yourself you're not just rolling out of bed and going. So how much more dedication can you prove yourself that you're willing to get up and do those things? If that's what makes you comfortable, do it. And you're absolutely right. If you're out doing something and you're doing something of that magnitude or of significance to you, 
you do what makes you comfortable and what matters to you. It doesn't matter if your camo is pink or teal. Um, it, you just, you stick true to yourself and you're going to be happy and finding these stereotypes. You're absolutely right. That the worst thing that can happen is women tearing other women down or hunters tearing other hunters down. Eventually that's what cripples us. It's not, it's not PETA or anything like that. It is the self attack on each other because something didn't happen the way that you feel it should have happened. And I can see that being something in, in not just hunting, but like anything involving the outdoors, that there is a lot of takeaway that people, if it doesn't fit their specific build, it's wrong. And that's not the case at all. It's just what is right for me may not be right for you. Or what I feel that I need to do before a hunt may not be the same thing you need to do. And we just have to get to the point in a community where we can support each other, regardless of our views on things. And as long as things are being done ethically and you're out there putting in the work and putting in the grind, whether it's hunting, fishing, backpacking, as long as you are out there doing what you love and you're doing it ethically, there shouldn't be any communication that is tearing someone down about the way they do it, unless it's, you know, unlawful. Um, so I mean, it's just, it's crazy to me to watch our community as an outdoor community, tear each other apart about the silliest things. And I think it's really, really great that you have this establishment with, with wows of supporting those women and giving them that backbone and giving them that support and a safe place to go to. Um, I really want to commend you on that because I think that those are things that outsiders, like I would have had no idea that that existed. And the fact that it does it brings a lot of happiness to hear that there's so many women willing to be each other's cheerleaders because all you ever see is the negative. So a lot of times these groups, um, like women of the wild or wows, like you see, you don't, they're not broadcasted out to where like everybody sees them and they're right in your face, but every time it's negative, it appears to be like right in your face. So hearing that there's groups out there like this, and I'm sure there's many more, but it's just really nice to hear that we can be each other's cheerleaders and it's not always negative, even though that's what you typically see presented. Yeah. My favorite quote is the greatest thing a woman can wear is confidence. Absolutely. So whatever you want to do that makes you feel confident, just do it. Yes, absolutely. And now a short word from our sponsors. Hey everyone, Andy Lehman here from ACC Crappie Sticks. Just want to let you know about our crappie baits and jig heads we have a wide selection of the hottest colors and big eye crappie jig heads in the most popular colors and sizes check them all out at acccrappiesticks.com thank you do you enjoy the great outdoors and hope to share that excitement with your kids? Now you can through Dr. Josh Farr's great collection of books. Share your love of nature while also teaching valuable life lessons on friendship and learning the alphabet with books like the ABCs of Hunting. Plus, the ABCs of Hunting workbook is the perfect learning tool to captivate young readers and create a foundation for your future hunter. Find out more about these and other books from Dr. Josh Farr at drjoshfarr.com. That's D-R-J-O-S-H-F-A-R-R.com. Well, you see, trappers are a special breed of people. We're dedicated, committed, and passionate about what we do and who we are. Each and every one of us has an intense desire to be the very best we can. So in a world of skinny jeans, man buns, and pumpkin spice lattes, sometimes you just have to stop 
push back and tell the world, that's not me. Whether you're from the far north or in the deep south and anywhere in between, Southern Snares can help you succeed at getting the job done and being who you are. Girls with Guns Clothing is a proud sponsor of Women of the Wilds podcast. If you're looking for hunting gear, be sure to check out our new fall collection, including the launch of our new Artemis Generation 2 lineup. With Girls with Guns, you know that our gear has been designed and field tested by women who actually hunt and wear this gear. We have an amazing team of women who contribute and share their ideas and extensive field testing so that our gear works for you in multiple hunting environments. We build our gear for women of all shapes and sizes, made by women for women. If you want to try out GWG, you can go to gwgclothing.com and use WILD15 for a discount off of your first order. We would also like you to check out Sawmill Creek Bait and Lures, RMC Custom Calls, Atlantic Coral Enterprise, Blast and Cast Guide Service, Epler Fur, Feather Moon Calls, Shangalaya Safaris, Shelly Emmer with Dirty Girl Guide Service, and Hunting Day Podcast. And now back to the podcast. To veer off that topic, can you tell us a little about yourself and what type of hobbies you have and do you still hunt? Yes, I do still hunt. Uh, so I generally just hunt venison or uh, venison, I hunt deer for venison. Uh, so we do that in the fall. My husband um, also likes to hunt as well. Um, I like fishing. So just a couple of years ago, um, me and a girlfriend were sitting around. It was middle of winter. We were bored. We were cold. And we talked about maybe we should just try ice fishing. And her boyfriend was like, well, you guys can't do that. You're girls. <laughs> we're like, well, now we're definitely going to. And so my, my brother, he moved down to North Carolina and he was an avid ice fisherman. So he let me borrow all of his ice fishing gear, the shanty, you know, poles, everything. And so me and my friend, we last year learned a lot and we almost lost the shanty in a windstorm. Oh. We broke our auger before. We've had to do a walk of shame to other fishermen, just ask if they could give us a hole. I mean... We learned the hard way, but we laughed the entire time. And this year we were back at it. Unfortunately, we had a really mild winter, so we didn't get to go out very often. Uh, Actually, we only got to go out one weekend that it actually froze. Mm -hmm. Um, But we decided to embrace that we're two women that are going ice fishing. And we added fairy lights to our shanty (laughs) and we are going to cross stitch signs. And we are calling it our she shanty. Yeah. And we just are embracing the fact that we're women, you know, out in these shanty towns, um, ice fishing out on Lake St. Clair and stuff. So that's been a pretty exciting outdoorsy thing um, that me and my friend, shout out to Mallory, that we've done. Uh, I enjoy backpacking. So Isle Royale National Park still holds a very big part of my heart. And so I've had the opportunity to go out there eight or nine times now. Um, I just, I love going out there. If you're ever interested in backpacking, I yes. recommend going out there. It's a great place for a beginner because there's, there's no predators. There's no, nothing that's really going to hurt you out there. It's a pretty, 
you know, even terrain. I mean, there's like, there's elevation and stuff, but it's fairly, you know, it's not like you're going to the Rockies, right? Right. Um, the main animal you're going to see is a moose and fox. There's wolves out there, but they're, you know, super scared of humans. So you're Distant, probably not yeah. going to run into them. My favorite part about that island is that there's no, uh, there's no vehicles or anything. So it's a backpacker's paradise. When you get off that boat, you're on a hiking trail. And when you go to bed at night, all you listen to is the waves of Lake Superior and you hear loons calling. So just you have loons that are calling to each other because Isle Royal is an island made up of more islands and lakes. And so it's got one of the biggest populations of loons in an area. And so you'll just hear that like low tone um, howl, you know, back and forth all night. And it's just it's so serene and so beautiful. I'm going to highly recommend it to everybody. Sorry. I just got, just got in my own mind there for a minute. No, you are. I love it. I it's never been on my radar, but it is now. So (laughs) I I can tell you that the, the picture that you just painted, I'm like, yes, let's go. Yes. Highly recommend. I love it out there. Um, I also like doing uh, kayaking and paddle boarding. I've got a cocker spaniel that I've taught to go kayaking and paddle boarding. So, uh, so we go out, you know, trying to embrace being near the water and, my dog Cooper, um, last year, he learned how to stay on the paddleboard and mostly everyone's like, how'd you teach him to do that? Uh, get a dog that doesn't like water and he'll <laughs> stay on the boat for you. <laughs> he doesn't try to jump off. Right. Um, but he really enjoys it. I mean, when I pull the kayaks out, he'll, he'll just sit in the boat and wait for me to put it in the water. So it's, he definitely enjoys it too. And it just gives you something to do and, um, you know, look forward to fishing and stuff this summer as well. Yeah. What, uh, does, does he go, uh, backpacking and everything with you as well he has gone he was camping like glamping with us uh-huh. a bit but um, usually when I go backpacking it's in areas that you can't bring a dog okay um, and then just so I also like to play sports so ice hockey is one of my big things that I do actually I'm a captain co-captain of my ice hockey team and so me and uh a friend, we run this women's hockey team and it's a fantastic time. The community around this team is amazing. So I try to dabble in everything. I've got the outdoors, I've got the sports. And then I think the most, one of my favorite things to do on a quiet night is scrapbooking. If there's one girly thing that I enjoy doing is I love scrapbooking because I love just capturing those memories. I love photography and putting them into books and all the scrapbooks that my mom ever made growing up of all the vacations we went on, the ones that were scrapbooked are the ones I remember most because you see that repetition of the pictures. You have the journaling and the stories that went along with them. And I just think that it's a really great craft and it's something that your family can hold on to. So it's very that's a little bit about me. I'm very diverse. I, I like doing a lot of different things. So yeah, no, scrapbooking is it's very visually pleasing. Um, mm-hmm. So I could definitely see why you enjoy that. And especially with the life that you've lived and the things that your eyes have seen to be able to, I mean, you're always going to remember it, but when you have a photo to, to commemorate it, it just, it like almost brings it back and it brings it back to life. So I think that's, I don't think it's girly at all. I think it's mm-hmm. a very sentimental thing to do like the scrapbooking and keeping those things. Um, and you, you said you cross stitch as well. <laughs> yep. Yep. We cross stitch. Um, you know, just, have a movie going, a bottle of wine and cross stitching and chit chatting. It's great. I feel like you're one of those girls. There's nothing you can't do. You're like the Jack of all trades. What is it? What's it called? It's like Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, that one. Yep. Exactly. That, that is exactly me. That is (laughs) my, 
there's just so much out there. Like I want to experience everything. And so it's hard to just sit down and just focus on one thing. Like I I could never imagine my life doing the same thing over and over and over again. Now, what is, what is a place that you haven't been that you would love to go to? Oh gosh, I would love to go. I mean, actually I have a list on my phone of like (laughs) of things I want to go and see and do. Um, I definitely want to go to Australia. Uh, I've never been there. And just to see the diversity of wildlife there and the Great Barrier Reef. Um, I just think, you know, I watched like We Are the Irwins on Sunday mornings and stuff. So like, I just, I really enjoy, it's just another part of the world I haven't had the opportunity to experience. And then Antarctica, um, just because, you know, having the experience in the Arctic, I kind of want to see what the opposite side of the world looks like, um, dance with some penguins. (laughs) Now, if you were to hunt anything, what would be your dream hunt? If I was to hunt anything, I think I would go back up to Alaska and do the caribou. Um, you know, I, I kind of had, I had, was asked if I wanted to go once. And at the time I was like, well, I did, you know, the out-of-state license and everything, it was kind of, it would have been a little difficult, but, um, you know, now that I look back, I kind of kicked myself for not doing it at the time when I had the opportunity. Um, I just think that they're really fantastic creature and just, I'm pretty mesmerized by them as well. And I think it'd be a really great, cool opportunity um, to get to take one of them. Their meat tastes delicious too. Yes. Caribou is one of my, I know my camera's not working, but I actually have one in my office behind me. They're, they're one of my favorites and uh, one of my favorites to eat, but also just aesthetically pleasing to watch them and their herds travel. Mm -hmm. So I can definitely see why that would be, especially since like the moose and the bison are your favorite, you know, species that it definitely seems fitting for you for that to be on your list. Mm -hmm. What about fishing? Is there something that you haven't experienced yet in that realm that you'd like to touch with? You know, I've never, so I'm going to keep going back to Alaska and everything. Um, Mm -hmm. I had friends that went dip netting for salmon and I never got the chance to do it. And I again, kicked myself for not doing it while I was up there. Uh, at the time when I moved back to Michigan, I didn't know I would move back to Michigan. I just went where, you know, the job was available. And so there were so many things that I didn't get to do in Alaska, but dip netting for salmon in Alaska. I think it sounds, it's a lot of work, but it sounds really fun. Yeah. I've never dip netted salmon, but I've done dip netting before and it it's tasking. Um, I feel like you could, you do keep reverting back to Alaska. Do you think you're going to end up back there? I don't know if I'd ever live back up there. Um, I recently just got married, so I'm pretty, pretty happy where I'm at right now. Um, I really enjoy working on my base and, you know, I love the idea of visiting there again, you know, mm-hmm. in a perfect world, you know, having, having a cabin up there or something would be great that I can, you know, get the best of both worlds, get to live down here with my family and then <laughs> escape up to Alaska whenever I want. Right. Um, but it's definitely like, I definitely miss mountains, you know, around here when somebody's like go west I'm like how do you know where west is like when I'm up in Alaska you're okay Chukach mountain range is south so therefore that direction is west like it's just um I miss having those mountains on the horizon so any of the mountainous states I love Montana I've had the opportunity to go to Montana a couple times in the last couple years that's actually where I got engaged and so that definitely holds a special place in my heart as well yeah, the, the Montana, Colorado, Wyoming, all of them are absolutely gorgeous as well. It's a 
it's different though. Like what Alaska can provide opposed to the Rockies, opposed to the Smokies, it's, it's all just such a different dynamic. Um, like when I just got back from Southwest Texas and I can't tell you how many people were like, I didn't even know Texas had mountains. And I was like, well, they're not like the Rockies or anything, but they're still mountains. Mm -hmm. And, um, I've done the Rockies and I absolutely love them. I've been in the Smoky Mountains and I absolutely love them. Um, but seeing those mountains right on that border of Mexico was a whole new world to me. And some, probably some of the roughest terrain that I've ever been challenged by. Um, there's no pass and you're, I mean, it's 3,900 feet and you are struggling every step of the way because it's loose rock and you're just doing it. And that's the kind of stuff that resonates a lot with me. When you do backpacking, do you ever do like the off the beaten path type of like hiking or is, do you typically stick to the trails? I typically stick to the trails mostly because usually in the area, like, you know, I usually just do Isle Royal. Um, mm -hmm. So if you go off trail and stuff, it's kind of frowned upon because you're trying to keep right. the um, habitat intact, right? Sure. Now, have you done any of it out in Montana or anything in Alaska backpacking? I did backpacking in Alaska. I went to the Chugach mountain range. Um, we ended up having to double pack because we got hit with a, a storm and... <laughs> So we were out there as me and a friend, it was when I was living in Kotzebue, we flew down to Alaska to go down to the Chugach mountain range. And we had this huge, you know, hike planned out. And once we started, it was raining and it just never stopped. And it was like 40 degrees. So it was like that cold rain. Mm -hmm. And we finally get, you know, higher and higher in the mountains. And it got so foggy that we couldn't see 10 feet in front of us. Then we ended up losing the trail. Oh gosh. And then we got a little anxious because we're like, okay, well, we can't see anything. So my friend dropped her pack and like ran ahead to see if she could like find anything that kind of told us where the trail was. Cause we're on like the, you know, the top of the mountain. So there's no trees, there's no real vegetation. It's just a lot of rocks. Right. And so we ended up, she went kind of down the mountain and found a flat spot, at least flat enough for our tent. And so we just kind of scaled down the mountain and set up our tent, um, waited out, you know, got into some dry clothes, waited out overnight. Next morning, we, you know, when we got up and the sun was shining, we were actually at the base of a glacier, which was really cool. I mean, we could kind of see it through the fog. So we knew we were like next to, you know, cause we set up right next to water. Uh -huh. Um, but to actually see it in the daylight was so cool. And, oh, wow. um, and then of course we looked the other direction and there's this huge storm coming at us again. So we just, hunkered in the tent and had to kill a few more hours. And then that passed. Uh, once it was daylight, we were able to find the trail. But at that point we had lost so much time that we couldn't get back. And then part of the trail had said, um, you know, if it rains or anything, you have to cross this river and the river can get really high after a good rainstorm. So mm -hmm. we just agreed that it probably wasn't safe for us to get to the end and have to cross a river that we may not be able to cross. Mm -hmm. So we ended up doubling back. So that <laughs> That was my experience of backpacking in Alaska, which wasn't the greatest. I mean, fun story, you know, never, not many people can say they get lost in the mountains. Right. Um, but yeah, we made it, we were safe and it's just another story to tell. I mean, that's an incredible journey though, that you got to experience with one of your friends and the memories I'm sure made, even though it's intimidating and tasking, like that's kind of what it's all about and that adventure behind it. That's really even with having to double back and not being able to finish it, being able to see what you saw and experience what you saw 
is just a really neat thing for people to, to know, like, take yourself out of your comfort zone and just go do it. Like if it's a dream of yours, chase it. Oh yeah. Talking about getting out of comfort zones. I haven't got to touch base on Latvia much. So yeah, our sister base is in Latvia. So our guard, many guard bases have sister bases in European countries or mm-hmm. countries around the world, really. And so ours is in Latvia. And my first year on this base, I had the opportunity to go overseas and work for three weeks in Latvia with the Latvian Wildlife Control. And when I got out there, I mean, I'd never been to Eastern Europe, again, a new place, but at this point I'd already been doing all these travels. So I was getting a little more comfortable and just kind of, you know, hit the boot, you know, hit the ground running. And so I get out there and they introduce me to the wildlife control. They call it wildlife control personnel. And she says, hi to me. And her name was Inga. Mm-hmm. And that's all she could say. Oh. And she didn't know a lick of English and I didn't know a lick of Latvian. And then they left us for three weeks to learn from each other. How did that work? Um, a lot of charades. Okay. Uh, a lot of Google Translate. So just typing sentences <laughs> sure. back and forth. And then when all else failed, we would just go find somebody that was bilingual that could translate for us. But again, at the time it was like, how are we going to do this? Like, this is impossible. And it turned into just a lot of laughing because you just have to understand that they're in the same boat as you. And it was just how many times we were just, we were trying to talk to each other and you could see us both getting frustrated. And then we just burst out laughing because how ridiculous we probably sounded to people. Right. And, you know, I remember at one point we, there was these white storks, um, which are really large birds that they have out on their airfields. And we shot a pyrotechnic to scare it. And it kind of went up and it was sailing like it was going to land again. So I got in the vehicle and she was driving. And I was like, all right, we need to go. We need to chase it. We have to hurry. And she slammed down the brakes. I, I don't understand. And it's like, ah, no. <laughs> so typing really fast. I said, hurry, hurry. And then she's like, oh, and like hit the gas and we flew back. And then we just couldn't stop laughing. Cause like, again, how ridiculous we probably looked like, you know, charading in the front of a vehicle, trying to be in a rush. And again, just putting yourself in other people's shoes and just getting to really embrace another culture. Uh, that was Lavia is another one of the top places I've ever been. You know, the wildlife, I didn't get to see a ton, mm-hmm. but the cultural experience, you know, I got to experience their summer solstice festival, which is like as big as Christmases here in the United States. Like it's just a really big festival, all kinds of festivities leading up to it. So getting to like, you know, I got to go a second time a year later and during this festival and uh, there were two wildlife control people there at that point. There was two, there were two girls. So they took me out and we picked wildflowers and they showed me how to make a flower crown Aww. out of these wildflowers. And then from there that night, I got to go to a park where they were doing folk dancing and stuff. And I just, I jumped right into the dancing and yeah, you know, cause there's the, the big circles and people were just holding hands and skipping. So I was like, oh, I could do this. I don't need to <laughs> speak to do this. Right. So I jumped into it and then the announcer said something and all the girls paired with a guy and the guy bowed and I just looked at him and I was like, I, I don't speak Latvian. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And he just laughed and grabbed my hands and twirled me around. So like, put yourself out there. I mean, yeah. you're just, life is short. And if you sit there and be like, oh gosh, this is going to be so embarrassing. You know, at the end of the day, none of those problem people probably remember who I was. Cause they're also just, ha- they're having a good time. Right. Um, so 
I think somebody told me once or I read it online or something that was like, try to remember something super embarrassing that somebody else did. Mm -hmm. Because I bet you, you probably can't. So every time that you do something that you feel is so embarrassing, chances are people aren't going to remember it. And you're, you're remembering it because you're getting in your own head. Right. So like ever since I read that too, it's like, if you do something embarrassing, just laugh about it and other people will laugh with you. And mm-hmm. you're just going to, you know, cause you're going to do things embarrassing, but you're also going to live life. Right. Well, and it's kind of like you said, the greatest thing, the greatest thing a girl can wear is confidence. So if you are yep. out there doing things in confidence and you are having fun and you are living your best life, you're doing it right. Yes, exactly. So I love, absolutely love that about you of how just, even though you were that shy girl once you are now that girl that like, I'm just going to do it. I love that you have the mentality of, well, they said I can't do it. So I have to do it. Um, I think that women are starting to get within the last two or three years that we're seeing a lot more women step to that direction. And I, it makes me so happy to see women like step up to the plate and say, you know what, just cause I'm a girl doesn't mean I can't do it. I know that's mm-hmm. what you think, but that's not the case and prove those boys wrong and earn that respect and earn our place. It's, it's really fantastic to meet and see other women who step up to the plate and just knuckle down and do it. And I think that what you're doing is absolutely just incredible. I think that it's very intriguing. Um, it's, it's really neat to hear of all of the stories and journeys, and I'm sure there's many that we're leaving out. Um, so it's, it's kind of a cool thing. Like I would love to see your scrapbooks one day because I, <laughs> I bet they are just spectacular. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like I keep saying, just be your authentic self. Yeah. And I've always said, like, I never want to change the world, but if I can change the world for one person, if, you know, one person can hear these stories and say, you know, what, I can do that too. Because again, at the beginning of all of this, I was super shy. I was not adventurous. I was not, you know, I was so comfortable with the idea of just going back to my small town and just mm-hmm. being like everybody else. And um, I think a family member once said, they were like, you, you go to the beat of your own drum and I've just taken that and gone with it. And you know what, that is, that is a very inspiring type of personality for women to see out there. So I, I thank you very much for sharing that with us, because I think that there's a lot of women that need that inspiration, that need that drive of, I can do this. And I think seeing other women do that helps others step up to the plate to be that way. And if there's ever a goal or a dream that you want to chase, they need to just do it. And sometimes that means putting yourself out of comfort or, or putting yourself in a situation that is intimidating and that's okay. You're going to prevail and it's going to come out ahead. Um, Mm -hmm. So I know that we try to keep these around an hour. Is there anything else that you want to touch base on before we go? I don't think I have anything top of my head. (laughs) Well, I will tell you, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. It has been really fun to hear your journey. Um, I'm very thankful that you're able to share your story and your mission through everything. Um, So we really thank you here at Women of the Wild for sharing your story and your journey with us. Um, And I hope that we can stay in touch and you ever need a backpacking partner or an ice fishing buddy, you call me. I am, I am all about it. Yeah, definitely. And thank you so much for having me on as a guest. 
Absolutely. Well, um, everyone, I want to say thank you for listening. And thank you, Megan Deneen, for sharing your story with us here at Women of the Wild. And I'm sure we'll hear many more to come. Thank you. And that concludes this episode of Women of the Wild podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you have any questions or would like to check out our website, it is www.womenofthewild.net. We post different events and everything that we've got going on. We would really like to also thank our sponsors, ACC Crappie Sticks, Girls with Guns, Southern Snare, Sawmill Creek Baits and Lures, RMC Custom Calls, Atlantic Coral Enterprise, Blast and Cast Guide Service, Epler Fur, Feather Moon Calls, Shangalaya Safari, Dr. Josh Farr Children's Books, and Shelly Emmer with Dirty Girl Guide Service. Thank you all and hope that you tune in in two weeks for our next episode.